Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm Welcome to a Cigar Hustlers Podcast, where we take a closer look at the people of the cigar industry with your host, Mike and Mike. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Mike, too. And this is a Cigar Hustlers podcast. Oh, see? No, I'm not going to do it anymore because you <laughs> fucked me up the last three times. Well, you did a great job with that one. The, thank, thank I appreciate the revenge. We have a one Mr. Robert Holt with us today of Southern Draw Cigars. Say hello, Robert. Hey, hello. Appreciate you, Mike and Mike, for thank having me on the Hustler today. Th- I appreciate you coming all the way out from Texas and, and coming on the show today. So um, this is an origin series. We talk about pretty much your come up and what you did prior to the industry and, and how the hell you found your way into the cigar industry, which tends to be pretty unique by every single person. So, um, so yeah, so it looks here like my notes say that you were a U.S. Army veteran. Is that a good place to start? I think so. I think uh, if you think about uh, uh, military service and uh, prior service and current service, uh, it goes toward the mission of Southern Draw anyway. So mm-hmm. the fact that I am a veteran and come from a long lineage of veterans, yeah. I think it's uh, important to us um, that our mission and, and part of what we do with the brand is really supporting current and prior service military. So it's a good it's a good start. So was everybody in your family Army or did you go against the grain? No, actually, every uh, every male in our family was Army. Really? Okay. That's awesome. So how long were you in the military? Eight years. Eight years. And um, what made you get out? Did you term? And you know, I did my time. And, uh, you know, I, I guess using a reference as my father did 29 and, and one-half years, um, all Army service, of course. But for me, you know, I did two, two different terms, two different enlistments. Mm-hmm. I was an enlistment. Um, it took me around the world and back again a few times. And uh, uh, I learned a lot. You know, I learned a lot about cultures and societies and uh, governments and uh, places we don't want to be in, some places we want to be. But ultimately, uh, at, at the point where it was to enlist the third time or not, it made more sense for me to to uh, to uh, to uh, uh, move on into right. the civilian sector. So how or how old were you when you originally enlisted? Like eighteen, right out of school? And um, yes, uh, I enlisted um, when I was seventeen, and actually okay. went in later in the uh, winter when I was eighteen after I graduated from high school. So that was kind of your plan from the beginning of time, or absolutely not. Really? Absolutely not. You know, I grew up in a in a military household. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a very stern, you know, s- seven brothers and sisters split between two. Only houses. seven. Only seven. Only oh seven. And we're not Catholic. Go figure. Um, <laughs> you know, um, but you know, we lived ten miles apart. The two separate families that were kind of split through through divorce. But uh, the last thing I ever thought I would do was join the military. Oh shit. Um, what I really believed I would do would a be a lawyer or b I would be just some professional football player, right? But uh, nice. ultimately, coming out of you know coming out of East Texas at that point, uh, if you don't make it in football, how do you feed the family, right? Right. So, what was the the changing point for you that made you decide to join the military? I think it was a change in the military strategy. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, 
I ha- I am an engineer. I'm an electrical engineer, but really my focus growing up was uh, on communication, and and uh, I had the luxury of working on some uh, some technologies leading up to my military enlistment that uh, I believe would be adopted at some point by the government, which is basically bringing uh, technology and communication platforms current using mm-hmm. what we have today, which is data communications, um, which would get beyond the voice. And uh, I was sold a great bill of goods. Right, the recruiters come out and they say, listen man you've scored well in this test and this is what you could do for us this is what we can do for you what do you think and I looked at it like this you know provide my uniforms provide my food provide right. me a place to, to sleep and hopefully I can make a difference and do, do good you know so they got you it was a hell of a sales pitch huh now they hooked me <laughs> they hooked me <coughs> so um, just to kind of jump into what we're smoking I, I believe I'm smoking the Rose of Sharon well what do you have there I am smoking a yet-to-be-released version of the Jacob's Ladder, broadly. Okay. And that's going to be released at Texas Cigar Fest? Absolutely. And this is uh, this is the first time I've mentioned it, so nobody knows. But, uh, cool and exclusive. A- April 14th, right here, Cigar Hustlers, you have it. April 14th, Southern Draw will be releasing a new and special Vitola that will... Um, be for a charity cause for the military with Cigars for Warriors. But this, uh, come next Saturday, this is going to hit the market. Very nice. Nice. Uh, and what are you smoking? Uh, the smoking? regular Jacob's Ladder. Oh, very nice. So, um, where does the Rose of Sharon, where does that name come from? Well, it, it has multiple meanings for us as a brand. Mm-hmm. Uh, most importantly, it is a biblical reference. Um, Song of Solomon, I am the uh, Rose of Sharon, I am the Lily of the Valley. Okay. Most people that follow Southern Draw realize that uh, between my wife and I, and <laughs> on every label, Soli Deo Gloria is on there, which means, of course, glory to God alone. And, and really for us, it's about our priorities, keeping our right. priorities straight. Uh, secondly... The boss lady's name is Sharon. <laughs> you know, it is the name of Sharon. And then the third, uh, it, it, third part of the meaning really is all of our core line is named after a uh, uh, flowering plants. For example, the rose of Sharon, uh, and even the band color comes from uh, from her her rose of Sharon plant that we took down to cigar rings in Nicaragua, and they created the color, the Pantone, if you will, for the oh, band. Wow. So it's kind of an antebellum looking band, but it has the pink, and I think we wanted to prove that. Uh, even us men, we would smoke a cigar with a pink band. Well, yeah, no, it's, it's really good. It's a very good uh, Connecticut shade for sure. Um, so, how long have you been married? 20 years. 20 years. This is our 23rd year together, and we've had 15 really good ones. That's <laughs> nice. Hey, that's better than most. No parole. I'm, uh, that's pretty impressive. So, when did you meet your wife? Uh, 96. 20 years ago. Yeah, ni- ni- 96. <laughs> oh, good. 1996. I uh, uh, came out of the military and uh, went back for my master's degree in college at one of the Texas A&M Extension uh, campuses. And uh, there she was, uh, making googly eyes at me. Nice. Hey, she's, she, hey, you pursued me, lady, if you hear this podcast. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I had a cheerleader on my left arm and my right arm. I really was walking tall, you know, after my military. I was kind of svelte. Right. And uh, she she had me. You know, she had me at the first glance. And uh, we've been basically inseparable since. Were you guys in, the, in a class together or anything like that? We were not, but we did pass each other on the way to class. And I actually showed up for class, you know, because I was paying my own way. So, right. uh, so I wasn't sleeping through it. The government was not paying like they said they would. But... Uh, <laughs> That's okay. Oh, another thing they didn't come through with. You know, you know, Mike. When they when they tell you, lay out how they're going to pay for things, they forget to tell you. Even when you're a civilian, there's still rules you have to follow. I didn't want to oh, follow those rules. Gotcha. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. But uh, it was uh, it was um, uh, fate, I guess. You know, yeah. uh, um, she was going through a divorce at the right. time, and I tell you what, it uh, it turned out well. You know, <laughs> I uh, I'm not I'm not a catch by any means, but she is. So <laughs> you married up. 
I, I did. I, I went straight to the top. So you guys are walking down the hall, and like, how does that happen? I mean, you just look. You, obviously, you know, you stare at each other. But who makes the first move? Um, well, I'm going to say she did. Okay. We'll and, go with that. Uh, we'll just yeah. Go. I think it's just us Until guys she comes the on the show, we're going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that show will be the one that sets you over the top, by right. the way. We'll take Jack Toronto down. <laughs> um, no, the, the reality of it is uh, it was it was a glance. It was a glare from her that basically had this, this sweet innocence, but confidence as well and you know we had seen each other 20 or 30 40 times and right. one day on a very cold january morning we're at the uh, the uh, the gym mm-hmm. and uh um i was still young enough where i cared about uh, how i looked and uh she had worked out and she was on the payphone making a phone call to her ex-husband and truth be told i kind of leaned over and said you know if uh, if you're trying to ring me up here you know i'm, I'm here i'm not at the house <laughs> but consequently that day it was very cold and uh, of course after you work out and you walk out in the ice cold frigid air it's kind of not not real pleasant so i gave her a ride home and it was the beginning of everything and I, so she made the first move but uh, i was the first one to actually uh, engage i think very nice she that's drew him in. That's fantastic. Amen. She did. <laughs> so, uh, telecommunications business in Central America, you did that too? Or? I did. I uh, I uh, was blessed enough, I think, um, coming out of the military that, you know, coming out of intelligence and communication, um, the same technologies that we used in, in the late 80s and early 90s in the military were also commercially patented by a couple of uh, companies, namely a company called Qualcomm. But what it means to you and I as consumers is we were moving from a voice-only network Mm -hmm. in the cellular industry um, to packet data or data-driven networks. And uh, that's where my experience and expertise lie. So uh, quickly after I came out of the military, very quickly, um, I had a phone call from a recruiter in Dallas, Texas, and uh, I became one of the first 10 employees of a company called Primeco. Today... Uh, that was the basis of what today is known as Verizon Wireless. So okay. I was a network architect. Um, so basically every c- modern day mobile communication or, or cellular network is based on this technology that we had worked on and, and created and patented. So uh, it, um, that took me down to the Central and South America to work on modern you know, wireless communication, bringing in uh, voice and data, but also bringing in economic and educational growth that computers and access to the internet provides. Um, but that's what put me into the to put me into the tobacco growing zone. Okay, so when was that roughly? Um, in in two thousand one is really when I started spending full time down in Central and South America, okay. all the way through two thousand eight two thousand nine. So you make some connections in the cigar industry, but like you were ground level as far as you know Verizon really trying to or Primeco at that time being in, in Central America I understand that you make some connections but how the hell do you find yourself from doing something like that and then jumping into the product producing your own cigars and becoming into the cigar industry well it uh, it doesn't make sense but uh, it never does for, <laughs> for eight years you know I can tell you that uh, this is I think my 25th year of smoking premium cigars I had a I had uh, the ability throughout my travels, we literally had wireless networks or operations through pretty much every country in mm-hmm. Central and South America, which happened to be the same countries that grow the best tobacco for cigars and produce the best cigars. Um, so 
typically our work team would rise with the sun and and quit working with the set of the sun right Right. which leaves the whole evening for cigars and conversation um i've never been you know i can say i've I've always been clean i'm not i don't i've never taken drugs of of any kind and my outlet was the cigars right so just really as an inquisitive engineer i wanted to learn about aging and fermentation and, and the process but um just as an outsider having the ability to engage with some of the greatest minds what we call godfathers and kings in this business um, we had a lot of people that built cell phone towers mm-hmm. and uh, most of those were Dominican and Cuban of uh, 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 you know from a hereditary standpoint and they they taught me a lot but they said you know Robert my uncle grows tobacco here my grandfather has one here you should come spend time with us and then they further convinced me that you have warehouses in every country. Why don't we teach you how to buy tobacco, age and ferment tobacco, <laughs> and maybe in the next couple of years it'll be worth two or three times what you paid for it. So that was really my indoctrination into tobacco as right. a whole. So more on the raw materials portion Absolutely. of it. Absolutely. Like a broker. Yeah, the intent was to, 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 to buy raw tobacco. Buy and sell it. tobacco. Like some gringo knows what he's doing about processing <laughs> tobacco, but they had me convinced that they could help me. <laughs> you could uh, sure, uh, yeah. just, so. just like the army did with all the stuff they promised. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> well, at least this worked out better. You know, I, we've been blessed, but you know, how does it convert? You know, the truth of it is, uh, Cigar Journal wrote an article, uh, you know, around Christmas time, and it, the the caption on it in English wasn't Simon's first language. God bless you, son, but it said, <laughs> "Born a failure." What he really meant was born of failure. How did we become Southern Draw? Uh, the reality of it is, we did very well in mm-hmm. my in my twenties and thirties, and we made. A tremendous amount of money we had a tremendous amount of assets but we we basically we sorry Sharon I pledged those assets down in the Caribbean Latin America t- for this business venture we had and we got defrauded we got scammed I mean we basically lost our company right. lost our assets and I woke up one day with literally nothing to my name other than my name and uh, I came home with my head down and I told my wife I said you know I hate to tell you but we were also part of Qualcomm, which is now $150, $160 billion company right. um, And during that time. And we had a lot of stock and other assets. And I said, I, we have lost everything. And she really didn't she, didn't, she didn't get angry. What she said was, let me ask you a question. What's your three favorite things in the world? And I said, don't you think that's irrelevant? But this is kind of how it was put to me. And I said, well, <laughs> I said, it's you not know, really important at this stage. <laughs> right. I just lost everything. Right. We have nothing. But the truth is, you know, since we're on we're on the we're on a podcast, I can say this. I, you know, in my mind, I'm like, I love fishing, right. I love cigars, and I really enjoy sex. And her response in a roundabout way is, you know, you're not really good at two of those things. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I sit in Austin, Texas, and uh, I'm sitting with a buddy of mine that's a very good marketing guy, and back of a beer napkin, which is just like the one sitting in front of me with a sharpie he said if you had a cigar company what would it be called and i said really a pay up you know play on words here but southern draw one half about hospitality and the people and the simplicity of it and the other part take draw but drop the l so we don't just look like we're dumb and slow, uh, right? <laughs> but uh, the, the, the concept of a perfect cigar, right? And I said, I really w- want to share the culture of what I've learned. Mm-hmm. These hardworking, humble people where most of them don't even smoke cigars because they can't afford them. But they create an art form that I think is a great vehicle to deal with life's problems. Mm-hmm. You know, to have a conversation cigar to me was the only outlet I had. Um, and Sharon, God bless her, goes, you know, if you're in, I'm in. But 
you don't get to make all the decisions anymore. <laughs> so it was a 50 a 50 partnership. You probably was a good idea. Uh, yeah, you should have yeah. negotiated 51 49. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 we did. She got 51 and I got 49. There you go. There you go. Um, but, uh, but it, but up front, she said, listen, I'm going to handle customer service. I'm going to handle, you know, handle, uh, you know, distribution. I'm going to do what I do best, which is spend time with people. You go try to blend some cigars. You could try to source and, and handle the production and the packaging, and you get your butt on the road and sell them. Right. So that's how it started. It's, we were, as Simon Lund said at Cigar Journal, we were born a failure. <laughs> that's very nice. So how many uh, cigars do you produce, I don't know, annually, rough? This year we're going to probably release about a million cigars. Ah, that's yeah. pretty. That's so, uh, so it's it's been a pretty aggressive growth, and and I would like to say that we could, you know, reach 1.2 million, but it comes down to. Um, do we have time to go support 1.2 million cigars right. being sold? Because we really are hands-on in what we do and how we do it, from the production to the packaging to the distribution. We don't have we don't outsource any of that, other than the contract production with AJ Fernandez and uh, company. But uh, you know, we we want to have a sustainable growth number. But right. you know, good for us. People like uh, Skip Martin talks reality with this and said you know you, you got to pay attention to some of these details so we've been blessed with a lot of mentors in the business that right. have helped us and we've avoided some pitfalls but you know a million cigars this year would be a good year for us uh yeah that's a that's an impressive number for sure um man you kind of nailed everything that's on this card so far you yeah know? That, that was everything we had. you crushed it so um, help me here. We're, we're at 16 minutes. 16 minutes. <laughs> I knew it was going to happen. It was, it was, gonna it go was like a blitzkrieg of, uh, of questions. So, well, I guess we can just jump to the questionnaire, and then we can always dabble back in. Okay, maybe something will lead into uh, something else. Yeah. All right. We I got a feeling that he's going to answer these questions relatively quickly, too, though. Uh, like, he's, he's got his shit together. All right. We have four questions we ask everybody. Same four questions. So, have you listened to the podcast? No, you have not. Okay, so no. Okay, good. <laughs> this will be good. first time. First, first time, time I hear these questions. I have, uh, seriously, have you listened to the podcast? I have. Okay. Oh. But I but I don't recall the questions. Okay. Oh, oh, I didn't yeah. listen to the so, so it's okay. it's new to me. All right. All right. Uh, first question. What one person, living or dead, would you like to share a cigar with? Um Wow. You know, I think it would probably be um, my wife's grandfather. And this is a gentleman that we referred to as the oak you know he was a very solid guy he was an attorney university of texas grad i had the pleasure of drinking a couple of gross beers with him before he passed of pancreatic cancer but um i never shared my passion for cigars and i think it he had such intellect and knowledge and a calm that i would have enjoyed and you know there's been a lot of people before that but i think at that point in my life having somebody that stable and that um that um wise would have been a fun guy to sit down with and have a conversation because I think the conversation would have been a lot deeper right. than just what we had over popping the ceramic top off a of Grolsch beer. Right. Very good. Now, so wait, now I'm going to pause you there. No, no, Stop go ahead. There. So right now uh, you say that your your company is all about you know hospitality and you know faith and family, obviously, but with hospitality being a major aspect of your uh, image that requires you being on the road a lot, right? Without question. So, how many on uh, how long are you on the road per se per year? Well, 2017 maybe it was unique because of our growth, but I was on the road for 324 days last year. So that's got to be tough in itself. It was, I mean, very daunting on your family as well as you know the sacrifices that you have to make, right? I would like to say that I'm missed or needed, but I don't know if that's the case. <laughs> uh, my wife's very strong. We still have one son at home that is Jacob's ladder uh, that you're smoking. Um, 
and they're very independent right. but they also realize that the sacrifice is necessary and while I'm on the road they're doing as much behind the scenes as I am I may be the face of the company but we've got other friends and family that are involved heavily right. um, it, it is but I as I mentioned earlier today I don't think it, it's beneficial for us just to have reps open new accounts and really focus on our growth we need to go establish our own relationships right. we need to see that our brand albeit very conservative as, a, as opposed to many uh, obviously we're faith-based we want to make sure that both the retailer and our brand is mutually excited about it we don't want our cigars sitting on the shelves and again more reference to brother skip martin and michael which is you don't need a lot of accounts you just need accounts that believe in you and you believe in that you can support so manage it well so you know being on the road is the joy you know it's the conversations you know this morning for example uh, i had an hour appointment that lasted three hours because a couple of customers came in and and one of them was a vietnam vet and i just wanted to spend some time with him so um, we just we just kind of abide by the rule that the most important person in the world is the one in front of you at that moment yeah and if you're going to have a conversation and a cigar with them we might dig into the box and end up with two or three right Right. we're just not going to be in a hurry man that makes all the difference in this industry right listening listening to people and it too too often that you see that guys are uh, egotistical and full of themselves and all they want to do is talk about themselves when a lot of it's bullshit you know so it's kind of nice to see that you do the exact opposite of that right uh, you mentioned that your one cigar is named uh, after your wife, the Rose of Sharon. You just mentioned Jacob Ladder is your son. Do all the cigars have meanings of the names? Uh, without question. And I'll elaborate on Jacob's Ladder again, biblical reference, uh, the reference to the, the 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 path or the ladder between heaven and hell um, where angels descend and ascend. And we kind of use the term climb the ladder. It's it's And again, the Jacob's Ladder is not only Ethan Jacob, but it is also a flowering plant that happens to have those same colors. It's, it's it's just something that has meaning to us. Now, moving forward, you'll find that before August 8, 2016, Southern Draw actually produced and um, I guess you know set a set a uh, predicate with the FDA for 56 blends. Oh wow! And the tobaccos, and that's because leading up to those deeming regs, we did a lot of homework, and we want to make sure we had toys. That doesn't mean we'll ever need them. What it means is, but you've got them though. Depending on what happens with our partner with AJ, maybe other people will need those blends, and maybe they'll adopt the message, and maybe it'll help them as well continue to grow. But um, the original two blends for Southern Draw, the Kudzu and the Firethorn, those were really. uh, homages or respect to my prior military service, the influences in my life. I mentioned earlier today, this is the weekend of the masters, right? right. Um, a tradition unlike any other. Um, but I served quite a bit of time in Fort Gordon, Georgia, in Augusta, as did my own father. Uh, but I also served with a s- sergeant major that also served with my father. And uh, the Firethorn is a reference to the 15th hole at Augusta National, uh, which is where this gentleman um, had his private retirement ceremony and I will always remember his influence in my life and watching over me uh, during our military deployments uh, uh, overseas Um, so there's a there's a reference there and again the fire thorn is also uh, it's a flowering plant uh, which is where Augusta gave it its name Um, the original blend kudzu it's comical. A lot of people in the South know what kudzu is. It's that, that invasive that vine everywhere. You know, yeah. that we brought over in the <laughs> late 1800s to handle soil erosion. Um, but most people, and it was also dubbed the weed that invaded the South. Well, that weed now goes from South Florida all the way to uh, to almost Maine. It goes all the way to Washington. Goes to California. You can pretty much see that presence anywhere. It's you can't kill it. Right. Um, yeah. But more importantly, it's invasive. Um, but it grows. Um, 
when I came back after almost six years international deployments and I came back um, to uh, to um, Georgia, uh, I had a little bit of time to go from Georgia to Texas on a military leave. Mm-hmm. And when you pull out of the gates at Fort Gordon and you start heading west to Texas along the interstate, that kudzu's everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> it's over old gas stations and buses and cars. And if you stop long enough on the side of the road to change your tire, it probably crawl over the top <laughs> of you. So invasive or not, it was still home. So, you know, you, you've seen pictures in history where people come back, let's say the Iranian the Iranian hostages kiss the ground when they land, right? Uh-huh. Um, kudzu, for me, was the kiss of the ground to say, invasive or not, I'm still home. Right. So it was a little bit of homage about getting home safe, maybe half crazy. Um, but uh, but I am home. But I am back in the U.S. And, and it was a little bit of respect for that. So it's odd. And we laugh because our brand started in the South, Southern Draw. And right. we've, we're now in 45 states. I think we're in like 12 or 15 countries. So the, the whole concept of kudzu really has been reincarnated here with a crazy named cigar that actually is pretty good. <laughs> so how old is your son? He's 17. 17. And uh, it's your youngest? No, we have a 23-year-old daughter as well. And okay. she's married and moved on and so, doesn't play a role in what we do, but uh, maybe she'll come back home someday. Right, so two in comparison to seven. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, lesson <laughs> learned, my friend. Yeah, easier manageable number. At seven, they outnumber you But I figure after you, like, if, if you have four, you know, then they start to kind of get old enough where they can kind of help manage and help out and you kind of delegate authority, you know. <laughs> Your children are young, right? My children are young. Yeah, that doesn't. Yeah, that doesn't, ex- that doesn't that's happen. That's not the way it that expectation will change. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can feel. I mean, they don't let me sleep uh, already. <laughs> well, you get to sleep more, but as far as helping, all well, that that's yeah, not, they don't. They don't. Not, not as, but no. Maybe you didn't beat them enough. Well, there. No, hey, no. there might be the 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 the, the clue to it all, right? Because. Uh, my parents didn't hesitate, but they did what they thought was right for that time. Nowadays, right. could you imagine uh, what would therapy happen session? if I uh, got oh, beat with a paddle with holes with chicken wire in the middle of it? Right. Um, you know, it's it just can't happen. Is right. that what happened to you? Oh, come on now. I mean, but I yeah. you, and you seem okay. You don't yeah. seem like I, I don't know if I'm okay, but I probably deserved it, too. I, I don't think any of us are okay. For one, we're in the cigar <laughs> industry. For two, you know, but the fact of the matter is... That's My mother had a belt. She was like Indiana Jones with this thing, just whoosh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was terrible. That's nice. Only had to do me once. Yeah, just the one time. Just the one. My brother, I think he's still getting hit today. Yeah, and did you clean up after yourself? Uh, yes. And did you take care? Toilet of seat down. She lived in a house full of men. Toilet seat was always down. You clean up after yourself. Oh no shit! Yes. Yep. So the belt works. The belt <laughs> works. Yeah, it, it works. And I tell you what, that's why every cigar shop should have a sign in their bathroom that said, "It's a five dollar fine for leaving this toilet seat down." This is a, right now. We're still dominated by male consumers. Leave the toilet seat up when you go into a cigar shop. <laughs> right? That's just my rule. That's like the biggest issue that we have here. Is ugh, man, the fucking bathroom is always. You know, you try and stay on top of it. And you try and go, but I don't understand what these guys do. They just walk in. I think they just piss on the floor. You know, well, you're drinking beer, smoking cigars. It's the game's on. You don't want to miss anything. You right. Know? You're in a hurry. You're in a hurry. You barely you know? step in the door, take care of business. You're back. Up but here. the bathroom looks so clean at the beginning of the day. <laughs> but you're unzipping on the way in. You right. know? It's zipping right. up on the way out. It's not their fault. Be happy right. to make it in the bathroom. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. All right. <laughs> Moving on. Wh- are we at question two now? Um, yes. We can go to question All two. All right. Now. Question two. Um, what is your favorite cigar? Um, my favorite cigar, most people just say the one in my hand, but my favorite cigar truly is the Rose of Sharon. Is it sentimental? Maybe. Uh, to me, it's a very classic blend. It's, uh, it is it is a Connecticut, but it's to me with that 
Piloto Cubano that's in there, I can have it any time and any size. Um, it is sentimental to me, but it is something I smoke probably the most of, and it's ours. Um, if Again, if I wanted to reach across the aisle, I would say that uh, uh, Skip and Michael's Neanderthal is one of my favorites. Mm. Uh, actually, I love the Fable. I smoke a lot of Fable. Hey, uh, so let me just. I was mentioned. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I I've smoked it a lot since it came out, and you know if I go to the factory and uh, Esteban's there, I'll trade him kudzus for Fables all day long. Nice, uh, because nice. he enjoys it, and he enjoys I think the Jacob's Ladder, so he likes the fuller bodied. Um, but you know, my favorite is when I'm on the road and I see all these brands and the people working their ass off, especially the people that helped Southern Draw helped us avoid the pitfalls. They all have some good cigars and have good tobaccos, and you know, obviously, I love some of the things AJ does as well but I like what he does for us more than I like what he does for himself um, if it's a Sumatra which is there's not a lot of them out there I'll reach for the, the Leaf by Oscar Sumatra it's one of my favorites um, Corojo I like traditional tobaccos I'll go with that new JRE that Aladino I love that cigar um, so it kind of changes but for the everyday go-to um, and I smoke 8, 10, 12, 15 a day. Uh, the Rose of Sharon. The Rose of Sharon. Well, if we're blending, right? If we're doing an event, oh, yeah, it, it could oh, be yeah. a long, long day. But uh, but I can smoke those one after another, and I won't look back. There's one sticking out of your pocket, just in case. Yeah, that's the new Lancero. You might want to give that a pull. That's the Rose oh, Lancero that, that an just got released. Weasel the tactic. Wasn't that great? Yeah, that nicely played. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> All right, next question. Uh, what One piece of advice... Uh, How's it going? What's the best piece of uh, advice? What's the best piece? I guess it should be anybody this. ever gave you. Yeah, you what's the best piece of advice anyone ever? You gave know, you're so good off I the was cuff. Off. The man just gave me a cigar for a in his while. Pocket. You I know, like off. when he normally yeah, when I see him eyes? asking his these, his eyes are so blue. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they you match his shirt exactly. <laughs> he's married. He's taking. Okay, I understand that, but and he's just not used to it. I've been on the road for a while now. Yeah, it's it's something. Now the best advice really is it just comes down to principles for me, which was through all discussions through everything in life when you're having a conversation establish expectation diminish disappointment really say what you mean really articulate your message because then you have the right to have an expectation and I and I think uh, you know it's advice that came from a professor but it was on the side you know when one of those where you didn't turn your paper in at college on time and he asked you to come right. to his office but he really said that's that's what you have to learn to do if you're gonna be an effective communicator which to me is everything right establish expectation diminish disappointment and that way both parties understand and I think it's great advice and we try to do that so who's the professor that told you that? <laughs> His name was uh, Faulkner, Dr. Faulkner, at uh, then East Texas State University, uh, head of uh, uh, English and literature. He was a phenomenal writer, and he said, Robert, you got a lot of writing capability here, and I'd love to see you progress. Well, I don't know how you get paid as a writer, right? Uh, <laughs> but, but I was all about... I feel like I over-communicate, and his point was maybe over-communicate things that are unnecessary. Communicate the things, be very, very specific and what but when you do that so dr faulkner here's to you brother it's been 30 years but uh, i still remember there you go that's great all right what one fictitious person would you like to share a cigar with oh wow Could be um, from a movie, movie a book yeah. comic book no well, you know I, i'm gonna I'm, I'm just gonna go right to it and you've probably had this answer before but i'm going straight into scarface me and al pacino you know uh, when he's not high on coke you know but like you know when he's had a few <laughs> drinks and he's and, and he's just 
talking matter of fact, you know, and just sit down. But uh, you know, he, he's a Cuban guy. You know, it would have been great. Um, but but fictitious or not, we've all met people like that. But the right. reality is, he emulates that 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 image, and that would have been cool to sit there. You know, sit there in the nightclub and have a cigar with the guy while you watch everybody acting a fool. Uh, but he uh, he it would have been it would have been would have been quite a conversation, I think. Very good. So, are you a reader too? Do you read a lot of books? I used to read a lot. Right now, I um, I read FDA warning plans. <laughs> <and laughs> they really don't make much sense. Um, I don't read as much. I used to read a lot. I would read a. Um, typically, I would read a uh, biography or autobiography, and then the right. next book I would read a leadership book. Um, but anybody that follows me knows that right now the only book that really matters to me is the Bible because I'm trying to stay focused. I'm not trying to sound cliche. Right. Um, I have a we have a brand and we have a family and I need to be accountable and I've learned that to get my bubble back in the middle just to spend a few minutes a day. Uh, I've read a lot of things, right. um, but uh, that's the one thing that I know that if I take my time to do and I take my time to share it. There's other people that are relying on it. I'm not a preacher and I'm I'm not a ambassador of any means, I guess, but. Uh, our brand, we're held accountable for what we do every day. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to sit here and have a yingling with you. But the reality of it is, you know, those words mean more to me, and and more can be gained from reading those words than anything else I could read. I think. Right. So aside from the Bible, what book do you think would be the most influential in, in your life? Uh, Who moved my cheese? Who moved my cheese? And, and it's a quick read. You can sit on the toilet and read the thing. But uh, uh, Spencer Levine, I, I tell you what, it's just one of those books classic about leadership but it really gets into how we interact with one another right and how you know how we how we um can handle ourselves and our demeanor and our language um but i think it's just a simple book that you know a fifth grader to a 50 year old can read and really gain from it but it's a simple book but i would i would recommend it for everybody right awesome well dude we appreciate you coming out and coming all the way down out from texas and coming on the show and hanging out with us and burning a couple cigars we're gonna go hang out and burn some more cigars you can have some more beer and, um, you know, this is the first time I've actually kind of met you in person, so I appreciate you. He's, he's the same guy that you see online. Right. I mean, we've What's had a couple interactions through social media and stuff, but you're the same guy online as you are in person. That's great. Which is kind of funny, too, because on podcasts, like, I've had people come in, or we've had people come in, and you. you get this one demonstration of who they are on the outside, and then you stick a microphone in front of them, and then they're totally different they person. Down. You know, it's like, oh, uh, what just happened here? Well, so. at least the camera's not on, but I do. I, <laughs> I appreciate the invite, you guys making time, uh, given my, uh, kind of my last minute trip out, but it's always a pleasure. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I like to see what you guys do. I like, obviously, what you're doing with, with Skip and Michael, because I, I believe that they are doing things the right way, and I've mm-hmm. learned a lot. Um, from them and you know Mike every day you, you post and it's creative and it's fun and it Thank makes it, it makes it worth it makes it worth you know clicking on and liking and, and following so I kind of I'm always interested in seeing what's next and uh, you know for me um, again having a cigar and a conversation whether it's on a podcast or a, a video or just a, at a shop is what it's all about I think that's why we're in the business and uh, you know I, I, I enjoy this part of it so I, I would I would have come from Anchorage Alaska if you'd invited me Oh, well, it's a hell of a commute. It would be a lot warmer here, though. <laughs> Depending on the uh, the season, it could be a lot of daytime there or a lot of nighttime there. <laughs> Absolutely. You can grow 100-pound heads of cabbage, though. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's pretty much it, right? That's it. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Robert. Talk to you later. All right, folks. That's it. Show's over. If you like what we're doing, please tell your friends about us. Leave feedback. 
We always like to hear if you like the show or not, or if you have any suggestions for guests that we might possibly uh, bring on at a later date. You can find us on our Facebook page at A Cigar Hustlers Podcast, or you can follow us on Instagram at Cigar Hustlers Podcast. Thanks for listening, but get the fuck back to work. <laughs>